Welcome to The Winnow, a podcast about dining in the South and beyond. I'm Robert Moss, the author of Barbecue, the History of an American Institution. And I'm Hannah Raskin, food editor at The Post and Courier. Today is the 2019 Charleston Wine and Food Festival edition of The Winnow. And for a change, we are not recording in the, insert adjective here, <laughs> podcast studio the Post and Courier. We're actually in the podcast studio at the, at the Wine and Food Festival. I, I think we're and breaking it in, too. I think we are. I think we may be the first ones here. Right. Um, now, you won't be listening to this podcast until Wine and Food Festival is over, but mm-hmm. we are here on Thursday. Thursday, uh, which is really the, there was an opening party last night, but the Thursday is the first real day of the festival. Mm-hmm. We're down in Marion Square. All the culinary uh, folks are still getting set up. The, the culinary village will open tomorrow. There's some events here here tonight. Yeah, there. but it's very fun. We're behind uh, uh, seats through, I don't know if they're glass or plastic panels. I assume it's plexiglass. Plastic it's what it looks like when you're a greenhouse, though. We exactly. have some plants around. And so it's we're here to be observed, but there's no one to observe us. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's actually probably okay with me. Yeah. Right now, you know? <laughs> I don't feel like I'm behind glass yeah. or on, yeah. on, on display. Um, but uh, this is the, the the festival's doing this. They have a podcast studio. Various podcasters will be coming in and, and recording here. It's a um, chance to to uh, grab people who are attendees here at the festival, which we uh, will be doing here in a a moment. But I think um, I want to talk a little bit about the festival this year. We we talked about doing a festival preview show, but by the time we got around to it, which was in January, the tickets were virtually all sold out. So it was sort of like, what's the point of recommending events that you can't buy tickets for? Right. Um, And I understand too, I mean, they release, you know, if you're a a subscriber, I guess you get, you know, they have early releases and so on. So by the time that even, you know, the public knows tickets are available, it's it's really much yeah. too late. It, yeah. yeah, and uh, I was skimming through. There's only a handful of events that have even a, a spots open anymore. Yeah, um, I did note this year the festival has a, a an app they're partnering with that will let oh, you. Oh, their ticket exchange. Yeah, ticket exchange. Yeah, yep. They've which, done that for a few years, and I, I actually haven't asked them how well it's gone, but they keep doing it, so I assume so, it's going yeah. well. And that's for people who maybe buy a ticket, but then for some, whatever reason can't use it. They right. can put it on the exchange, and someone else can be waiting in, in line. So there is, you know, by the time you hear this, it'll be too late. But mm-hmm. uh, next year, yeah, there, there, is, there is some hope. One of the things I thought was curious this year, and you, you, you reported on this uh, a little while back, um, is that the festival this year has the folks from the NBC's Today Show uh, coming coming down? It'll be Al Roker, uh, was it Kathy Lee and and Hoda? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know the, those those. Wait, one of the above is not coming. Oh, one is okay. Sorry, I don't know who. Okay, well, yep. well one of the, the Today Show crew is <laughs> yeah, coming down, yep, yep. Uh, which doesn't surprise me too much because you know, there have been other. Uh, I think maybe Hoda's t- staying home. Maybe Hoda. <laughs> but um, the what did surprise me was the the amount of money that was spent to bring them here. This isn't something that Today Show just does out of the goodness of their heart. Um, and we don't know that exactly, but I think you report two hundred eighty thousand dollars total. That sounds right. Uh, total, I think one hundred forty thousand each. Between, we don't know the total, but we... then there's more from the festival who, who hasn't released how much they gave since they're Correct. a nonprofit. They're not a public but the, it was the two the south carolina tourism bureau and the charleston tourism bureau yep. each ponied up 140 grand to help offset production expenses you know it's really interesting is so that the today show has been running this sort of deal with you know various cities mm-hmm. um for a long time and apparently we were the first paper ever to ask uh, how much it cost Oh really? Yeah, no, no one has ever asked before. <laughs> That's a, you, you just got to ask those questions. You just questions. have to ask because yeah. I never really thought about it. Because you, you, you sort of figure they go interesting places and, and do that, but uh, they'll go interesting places if the, the price is right. Exactly. But, and which it, it makes sense. I mean, it, it is sponsored by the tourism board. Uh, obviously, it's not going to help ticket sales this year uh, at the festival since the 
the, no, the, I don't the festival think sold out. It's it doesn't have anything to do with the festival. No. As I said, it's South Carolina, it's Charleston, so they just want to promote yep. these places. Yeah, it is yep. purely a, a tourist promotion promotion play. And that got me thinking a little bit as well as like, okay, that's that's paying a lot of money. You know, they, that's a lot of advertising dollars you could use. But did it also made me think, well, what do the morning shows do doing these days? And if you look at the viewership, it's really hard to get in front of as many people as you can get in front of I bet. I when bet. you're on the morning shows. Um, today's show is currently number one. I've looked up mm-hmm. in, in recent months, uh, beating out um, it was a Good Morning America, the ABC ABC contender. Well, and I would bet too, not just the sheer number of people watching, but I bet the trust factor is yeah. quite high. I don't know, you know, exactly where you'd look for that data, but I bet people really trust Al. Well, Roker. yeah, because you get these, yeah, you get a personal relationship. Yep. You've known Al Roker forever, Kathy Lee. You you you, you watch him every every morning. Four point two million viewers on average for that that show. So I'm trying to think, it's not that easy to get in front of four million people any any other way. Not so, by doing anything good. No, no. So. <laughs> That's a uh, so the morning shows are still going good. I did notice that they are declining. The, the NBC's the Today Show is down five percent uh, over last year, and mm-hmm. the others have have declined a little bit more. So it sounds like that morning show phenomenon with the disappearance of the three major networks and you know people cutting the cord and all or cutting the cable yeah. and all that uh, may not be that the phenomenon may be around, not be around forever, but it's still very very strong. Uh, Hannah went out into the culinary village here, or, or the uh, as they're preparing. They say you can find whatever building. you need in the culinary and, and village. And we did. <laughs> we found uh, Charlotte Voise, who is the uh, director of advocacy for William Grant and Sons, which is a, uh, a big uh, liquor distributor, I guess, uh, handling a lot of different brands, including I know Hendrix is probably the brand we're f- you're featuring here at the festival. Yes. And so, thanks for joining us uh, in, in, here in the podcast tent. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, sure. So, I guess we'll start off. Well, you know, what you're you're here in town for the festival. For, um, where, where are you norm- normally based? Are you? Yep. So I'm. Uh, I, I live in New York, mm-hmm. although I forget that sometimes because yeah. I travel so much for work all over the U.S. Um, but Charleston, it's no secret, is my favorite city to come to in America. It's been uh, over ten years now that I've been visiting. So always happy to be back for wine and food festival. Great. Charlotte, I just want to interrupt to say, so Charlotte did a Tales of the Cocktail session on Charleston specifically. Yes. Oh, did you? Right before I moved here, like weeks before I moved oh, here. Yeah. And oh. I still have the laminated map she gave out in my cubicle. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I, I, I awesome. used yeah. it to find my way. Thanks for promoting Charleston. I'm a big yeah. fan. <laughs> Well, I know that you're here doing a couple of different events. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking about one before we started recording, which is you're doing a competition this year right here in Marion Square. Is that right? It's actually at the Restoration Hotel. Oh, it's at the Restoration Hotel. Hotel. Yeah, but okay. it's part of the Charleston Wine and Food Festival mm-hmm. program in, and it is the Battle of the Decades. I'll be the MC hosting. It's essentially a cocktail competition. So we've got four bartenders from Charleston. And they, it's kind of I'm mixologist style mm-hmm. in its energy, uh, spontaneous rounds. There'll be thrown challenges. And specifically for this one, they'll be asked to make a cocktail that matches a specific decade in cocktail culture history. So they need to know their history when it comes to cocktails. You know, when was the Manhattan invented? What were the cocktails pre-prohibition, mm-hmm. after prohibition, all that kind of stuff. Oh, so what's the earliest decade they've had to study up on? Well, I mean, technically, the first written definition of the cocktail was 1806. So you're going back so to that. Go- yeah. Oh, yes. oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, they don't oh, know I yet. I had something so. entirely different in mind. When you said, oh. like, four decades, I thought it was like 70s, 80s, 90s. Oh, yeah. no. And that's what it, I thought. Oh, I was like, it's, oh, okay. This is like two, oh, two centuries. Okay. From okay. the I mis- beginning. I misunderstood. Yeah. Okay. No, no. Okay. So, and they don't know which three decades I'm three going decades. to choose. Oh, okay. Right, right, right. They find oh, out in the moment. So interesting. Not only do they have to come up with a drink that is flavorful and balanced and creative and looks good, but they also have to take 
technically get it correct in terms of its place in history. Right, right. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, hmm. yeah it's because I guess since I thought it was more recent history, I didn't know if it was supposed to be true to the decade or like making fun of the decade since there's so many that were. Like you can do with the 1970s. Oh, there's there plenty are lots you can make fun of, but I don't know yeah. if you can make fun of the 1870s with any. Oh, I don't think the audience. Yeah, it'd be hard yeah. to make fun yeah. of the 1870s. <laughs> <laughs> I think the humor is a little yeah. harder. When you yeah, yeah. Well, no, you're right. Each, yeah. I think each decade or era definitely has yeah. its uh, its characteristics, right? right. So there right. could be fun ways to play that up. Yeah. They could go very classic, mm-hmm. just depending on what I throw at them. Yeah. But of course, I can't reveal that. Of course. Not of even course. to you. <laughs> no, no, no. Now, it's for the rules of this, if you pick something, I like just say, I'm now at the 70s, 80s, yeah. stuck Sorry. in my head. So like a grasshopper or, mm-hmm. or a lemon good. drop or something like yep. that. Yep. Are they supposed to try to make it as hue as, as clear as you can to a grasshopper recipe or are they allowed to take their put their creative twists on it uh, we definitely look for creative twists okay. so the, the challenge would be you know create a drink that is indicative of this decade yep. so they can choose mm-hmm. one of those cocktails from that decade in, this is how I would do it mm-hmm. as their inspiration and say alright my favorite drink from the 70s is a grasshopper mm-hmm. this is my twist on uh, okay. it that's what I think <laughs> they'll come up with right. but who knows have you done this format before no, this oh, is brand new. No yeah, so it's new for, for Chelsea Wine and Food, so yeah. we'll see how it goes. Yeah. It should be fun. Yeah, and of course, great. the audience, we sold out quite a few months ago. Yeah. Um, the audience will then have a lot of fun, but also learn a little bit about cocktail yeah. history. You know, what came first, the mm-hmm. julep, the martini, mm-hmm. like how drinks have evolved. So I'm actually yeah. hoping that they do take away a bit of an appreciation of the classics and then how they're often riffed on yeah. the, in this day and age. Right. It's really be fun. smart. Yeah. Um, you've been involved in these sorts of contests and competitions for really for a while, mm-hmm. right? So <laughs> how have you seen those evolve, speaking of decades and, and the way yeah. things evolve? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. I think there's a lot of competitions out there for bartenders and mm-hmm. in, in, in the cocktail culture. There have been now for quite a few years. Yeah. So the challenge for people like me is to how to come up with something that's different mm-hmm. and interesting. Um, but competitions really at their heart, I think they are there to challenge bartenders, to make them better, mm-hmm. right? To stretch them, um, to come up with different ideas that they might not be able to do in their bars usually. So always behind it is what will the bartenders learn through this experience? That's my perspective on this. Right. And um, I guess we should probably clarify for people who haven't been to one of these lately that it's not all like the, what do they call it? The cocktail, the flash. It's not like, yeah, the movie not cocktail. Flash, it's it's not, not the flare and the spinning. The flare. It's not the, uh, that, although that's a whole separate that, brand that's of separate competition. competition. That's yeah. a whole separate thing. Yeah. But in these, typically, they're either... Um, prior to the event or at the event itself, as you say, creating recipes and exercising creativity with ingredients, right? Yeah, these are sort of what we call career bartenders who um, practice their profession all the time and they're serious about flavor. Um, They'll be making their own ingredients from scratch. Mm -hmm. They'll be using culinary techniques to extract different flavors. Um, They'll have a whole pantry of fresh ingredients. They'll have obviously the great spirits from William Mm -hmm. Grant and Sons to choose from. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, they'll be showing their, their craft but we just like to throw a bit of fun um, yeah. out there too. So. Now, who's going to be judging that? Uh, so, you, will you be judging or are you just MC? I'm just MC. So, no one can blame me. Yeah. Uh, but we've got a fantastic panel of three judges. Mm-hmm. We have Tanika Reeves from here in Charleston, Cocktail Bandits. Mm-hmm. We have Yale Vengroff from Los Angeles. She's the current American Bartender of the Year mm-hmm. from the Spirited Awards uh, last year. And then Andy Seymour from New York as well, who's part of the. Uh, 
bar resource um, educational That's committees. That's a pretty good so, panel too. Yeah, they're <laughs> fun and they know their stuff. Yep. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. that'll be yep. good. We were just talking about yep. the event that I judged earlier this week that was at The Little Life, which yes. is TJ Lynch's bar. Do you want to talk about the format of that since Hendrix was a sponsor? Yeah, or? well, it was um, a really sort of fun concept that TJ himself came up with. TJ has a bar in New York called Mother's Ruin. He and I have been industry friends for a long time. And he's one of those great bartenders that is truly all about uh, service, fun, and speed, mm-hmm. um, which sometimes can get lost when yeah. we go down the rabbit hole of craft cocktails. That's just yeah. right. there, there is a period where, and there still is, some places where you can wait 20, you got to oh, order easily. order your next cocktail when your first one arrives. Cause it, you know, <laughs> Tee up the next yeah, one. Yeah, otherwise you'll, you'll be sitting there for a long time. But. Yeah, but TJ, I think is, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, from the generation, uh, perhaps a little before that, yeah. as am I, yeah. where, you know, we were learned to make drinks quickly and, yeah. and entertain people while we were doing so. And I think the Folly Beach Classic, Classic is, that I it? Think. is that what yeah. you called it? Yeah. <laughs> Was all about getting back to the spirit of being a bartender, yeah. entertaining your guests, working quickly, making good drinks, of yeah. course, yeah. but not getting too wrapped up and insular in the minutia, exactly. but broader picture. So, Robert, the way this worked was pretty neat. So, each there were um, six judges seated in front of each bartender, just as though it was a full bar, essentially. Okay, so and each person was given a card with all the drinks they had to order during the uh, competing bartender's 10 minute shift. Did they so, know what was on the cards? They didn't. Or well, did, they had some idea. They didn't know who they, had they, they what. They didn't have the, okay. But they didn't know because it might just say on your card, classic cocktail, and there are 10 from which you could choose. Oh, okay. Right? So they really had the They really had to repertoire. be ready. Right. Uh, yeah, so it was that. And then you could also, some people's cards said a shot or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, tequila and soda. It could be whatever, you know, wine, beer. Um, so the idea is that the... Um, the judges would purposely slow down the bartenders, as happens in a bar, <laughs> by right. saying, you know, which of your beers is gluten-free? Or like, you know, oh. which, where was your wine? <laughs> you know, it was just very funny. And the judges were all very kind, but they also had built in these things that, you know, one judge would be told during a certain round to spill her drink all mm-hmm. over, or oh. they would have um, a, a drunk run up and just interrupt <laughs> the proceedings. And so it really was tremendous fun. And then at the end, you know, you had to grade these people just, again, not yep. on the drink itself, but how hospitable were they? How much did they entertain you? Mm-hmm. How many drinks did they get made? And that makes me... And it was a huge difference between, you know, the fastest person. Oh, really? oh, I really? yeah. There was one that, I mean, I was seated fourth in a row, and one of the bartenders never got down to me. I mean, think wow. to the fourth person. <laughs> Another one got through that whole row more wow. than twice. Now, wow. That made, that made me yeah. think about the, the layout of the bar, because I'm sure you've done a lot of these competitions. Mm-hmm. How, how different or how much does it affect you when you're in different bars where yeah. everything's in a different place and, and all that? Or, oh, dramatically yeah. so. And, and, you know, when we get to Battle of the Decades, mm-hmm. we're, the Restoration Hotel are hosting us and it's a beautiful spot, but we're essentially in a makeshift bar. Mm-hmm. You know, these guys will have st- stations on Is tables. Is it like a ballroom that they're using? It's one a... of the amazing suites they have there. Oh, it's okay. a gorgeous big space. Oh, got it. But the bartenders will be working off of large tables. Yeah. There won't be a bar. Oh, so won't they won't bar, have rails, their creature oh. comfort. So they're being right. a very uncomfortable, not that it's uncomfortable, yeah. but an extraordinary yeah. situation for them. And that actually puts a lot of pressure on them. Right. Um, you put a bartender behind their home bar mm-hmm. and it's just, it flows. There's right. the rhythm there. They feel sure. very comfortable. Yep. Take them out of that and it's an added pressure. So difficult competition yeah and that's where like the one you you're, you're talking yeah, about yeah. and it sounds like if someone spills a drink and you're not in your bar right. you won't you know, know where things where are, rags are right. whatever, but that's yeah. what real bartending that, that is, is. Exactly. and i love that and there are i mean every night some drunk person comes in <laughs> exactly. and it's your job to handle it 
in the right way, right? which can be delicate. I mean, there's a lot of people skills involved in bartending. But so that's really that. the soul of the job. Like, yeah. I don't remember the last contest I've seen or participated in that felt that closely related yeah. to what actually is done, you know? That's, that's true. I've judged some and, and some, the, a lot of them, the, the bartenders know in advance what they're supposed to sure. make yeah. and they sure. have an ingredients or a list yeah. or they're supposed to use certain liquor and then you go around to each of their bars and yeah. they bring it to it, you. But that's that's a little different because they it is, and I'm know, they don't have to do it on I've, the spot. I've judged right. some where you're judging them on their presentation. Yeah. Like they have to know what's gone into their drink and they have to be yeah. able to talk about it and they have to be educated. But that's very different than the way you engage with a difficult customer. It's entirely yeah. different. Yeah. You know, so. I think it's good for bartenders to have the variety now because yeah. it exposes them to different challenges yeah, and really skills neat. that they need. Yeah, it was really fun. Yeah, you know, we tried not. I, I did not order a mojito. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do it. Yeah. It was, order the thing that takes right, you know, takes forever. Takes takes the longest. Yeah, it was right. super fun. Good. So, yeah. No frozen drinks? Can you? There were no frozen oh, drinks. Okay. No. No. That's that's always you know was one the bartenders ah yeah gotta get the spanner in the works yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Good. A- anything else in the world of contests and, and and competitions that people should be looking out for, knowing what's anything in terms of format anything you're seeing i mean you must be at these things all the like time I, said, I think you know there's a lot out there still yeah um, i think for any bartender that's looking at competitions you know understand what the goal is mm-hmm. have a look at the rules mm-hmm. um always try and find out who the judges are if you can yeah because it's a, a really good way to either personalize whether it's your drink or or a joke or a tidbit or just understanding they're essentially your guests for the duration of the competition, right? So yeah. that's my advice is always oh, to try really and do good that tip. if you can. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't always know, but if you can find out, it helps a lot. Yeah. Especially if they they have likes and dislikes right, right, that right. are public knowledge, you need to know that. Yeah, <laughs> and we should say to a lot of these contests, the winners, it really does advance their careers. It isn't just oh. about like winning a prize. I mean, oftentimes. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. that's one of the reasons that I'm still a big supporter of competitions yeah. because it's how I made my name. Yeah. Back, in, back a long time ago yeah. now in the UK, I was fortunate yeah. enough to win Bartender of the Year yeah. for the UK and literally propelled me onto everyone's radar. Yep. Um, I'm very, you know, honest about how much that helped my career. Yeah. So I do encourage people to participate. You can learn a lot in the process, even if you don't happen to win. Yeah. But if you do, it really can propel you. So it's a good thing to look out for. Yeah. I, I mean, I love contests generally just because they do seem more democratic. You know, you yeah. may have to it sometimes do good judges or bad judges. Sure. But, you know, just the fact that they're open to all, whether it be, you know, bartending or food yep. writing or I, I'm a huge believer in contests. Yeah, so I am too. I'm a big I'm always happy to judge cocktail contests. Oh. Yeah. So <laughs> if, in a pinch, you need somebody. Give me Noted, yes. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Good. Well, Charlotte, thank you so much for coming in at such late notice. Um, <laughs> I hope you have a great wine and food. Thank you right. so much. Thanks Great. for having me. Hey, thank thanks. you. Yep. So, yeah, there's it, it, probably not, a, you know, since everyone will listen to this after the festival's over, it's not really a time for us, I think, and we're, we're recording this just before the festival began, so not a lot of reviewing of events or, or, or things like that that, that we, can, we can do right now, and um, not, not, not a lot of recommendations since everything has been sold out. But uh, that you did, wrote, something you wrote recently, Hannah, caught my attention, which was, uh, speaking of reviews, is re-reviewing. A few, mm-hmm. a few restaurants, which is going back for, I guess, a second bite of the apple. Yeah, um, and it's not, I mean, I think you've done re-reviews before. I've done them before, but typically a re-review is like 10 years after a Oh, yeah, it's typically, we, it's yep. something sig- very significant has changed. That's right. New chefs, new format. Yep. It's yep. been three, five years since we've, re- and you'd go back yep. and do the full three visit, yep. you know, 
full full on review. Exactly right. But no, yeah. this you did a sort of a three draft in three quick hit. <laughs> yeah, three quick hits. Um, and one, one visit, visit a piece. one visit reviews. And how long had it been since the original review? It hadn't been that long. In all cases, it had been at least a year. Because okay. there was yeah, there was a, a fourth restaurant which I'm really curious about, but it's it's not time yet. So the idea is, I just wanted to. These were all two star restaurants, and as I said in the in the piece, like those two star restaurants are the ones you really think about because you're like. They've got something going for them. Yeah. Like they could be better. And then the question is, will they get better? And so that's why I went back to these. I think dinner, generally the restaurants that get one star are kind of doomed, you yeah. know? I think <laughs> it might be worth talking a little bit about what a two star restaurant is though. Cause that, if you, you do it a five star scale, but that doesn't mean you get, it's not getting a D to right. get two stars. Right, right? exactly. Yeah. That's why I explained the story is that, you know, I think exactly people uh, correlate it with a, a letter grade scale, but it's not that at all. Yeah. In fact, even though I have five stars to work with, I'm basically using three. Um, so I, I, everyone gets a star pretty much yep. just for playing because I figured, the, 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 again, the analogy I use in the piece is like, I always think of it like baseball. Think of it more like a single, double, triple, and home run. Mm -hmm. And a grand slam home run. Again, I've never given five stars, <laughs> so we don't really need to worry about it. But So a single means you got on base, which means you brought food to the table. Uh, I got a drink. <laughs> you, you had a server. You had a roof over the restaurant. Yep. You know, that's it. But whatever, you're on base, you're running a restaurant, and we mm -hmm. know how difficult that yep. is. So there's your star, you know, and that, and then two star again is a double. So you've done, I mean, a, a double is, is, is pretty good. I yeah. mean, it means that, you know, I was pretty happy when it hit double. everyone's happy to get, to get two stars. It means that you've definitely done something to make you stand out. So maybe, you know, the service is really outstanding. Um, maybe there's some really good ideas on the menu, even if the execution isn't perfect. Um, I always, I, I, I tend to think of two-star restaurants. I have warm feelings towards yeah. those, those restaurants generally. I, I think Uber is sl sl yeah. <laughs> totally slanted our, our, right. our feeling of right. stars. Right, it's like five if, stars or... If five stars are your, or, yeah. you're out. Like a 4.8 exactly. is a low Uber rating That's for exactly a, a right. driver and, and apparently for a passenger too because yep. the passengers get rated yep. uh, as, as well. Yep. Um, and there's actually a thing that, well, what's it called? Um, the uh, net promoter score. It's mm -hmm. this thing that marketing, you know, yep. a marketing thing where you basically ask people to rank your company or your service on, on one to 10, but it doesn't mean a five's not average. You throw right. out everything below, I think a, uh, like a seven, or you only, okay. you only count it as being positive if it's eight or above, mm. because anybody who gives you a six, uh -huh. you know, <laughs> it turns out that you yeah. know, that's not so great. But, um, but not so in the, in the restaurant star I, review. I, I don't think so, at least not for yeah. me. So um, I, I think there are also, I mess around with half stars some. I mean, that just gives me a little bit of, of leeway, but it's, you know, the, it's, it's better not to. It's better yeah. to keep those inner well, whole. Sort of makes sense. Like we think of it as a double, because like, okay, this yeah. is a, this is a single star restaurant. This is a restaurant. You can yeah. go there. You can get something to eat. It won't <laughs> yeah. kill you. It's good restaurant. Yeah. You know, you go, and, and it's go good enough there. to be reviewed. Yeah. Remember too, because I mean, there right. are those restaurants that are, are you wouldn't even review. So you're like, this is just yeah. no one needs to know about yeah. this place, yeah. right? So, so one star is is fine. But yeah. then, and, and the two is oh, this is better than than the average rather yeah. than the restaurant. This is a good a, a good lot one. of work went into out. this. Yeah. This is not There's every restaurant out there. I mean, you think about how long even a good player can go without hitting a double. It's like, hey, okay, that's something's working here. Okay. And then when you go to like three stars, mm -hmm. um, you know, what you say you've never given a five. So what's never the, given a five. What, what's the differentiation? A number of fours so. four. Uh, a three and a four. That's a great question. I'm trying to think of what would be a good three star restaurant. I guess. Okay. Okay. I guess for me, a three star restaurant is, 
really exceeds expectations, obviously. We're just like, boy, you know, like they're just nailing it all the mm -hmm. way around. This is just, uh, you know, it's a, it's, it's a well-rounded restaurant. Four star, in the home run of restaurants, it's like, they're actually doing something to like change the industry yeah. in some way, right? They're gonna be, this is like an influential restaurant. Yeah. This isn't just one where everything's gone right, but this is one that they're shaping the conversation. This is one where if you come to Charleston, the you, you need to eat at this restaurant. That's it's exactly a, it's a right. Yep, yep, yep. So I thought that was a, a, you know, interesting to give a little color on the star yeah. ratings because I, I do think that gets lost, especially in this, this culture where if I don't get five stars, I absolutely. failed. Absolutely, you know, absolutely. Um, right, right, you know, right, right. Well, you're, you're, you're trying to hold back the, the great inflation. <laughs> I am, I am. I mean, I get so much feedback about, well, you hate everything, yep. you hate everything. It's like, well, no, I don't hate everything, but I also think like... It, not everything's a grand slam home. Well, I do think either, that's the so. case in restaurants, though. But you know, there, there's definitely like just there's not that much cream that floats to the mm -hmm. top. You know, a, a right. really, really good restaurant is rare. It's right. not like you know, not like thirty percent of the restaurants out there are, are right. the best. You know, right. There's only a handful that are the absolute best. Right. Out there. But again, to just extend the analogy further, we're in Charleston. You're playing in the major yep. leagues. Like, I mean, just to be out there being reviewed, that's. Yep good thing yeah. so. so what was it like going back for the re-reviews is that a good it was really a, one, one interesting hit? it was yeah. really interesting so as, as you said it was just one time so i didn't adjust any of the star ratings because in order to do that i'd have to uh, yep. you know do another three visits and um no one has the budget to do nine visits for one uh, one piece um so I, I i went one time to each and it was really interesting um so the three restaurants i went to are were miller's all day mm -hmm. the establishment and sorghum and salt and Miller's All Day was really, it was great because I felt like they are a two-star restaurant. They were a two-star restaurant. They're still a two-star <laughs> restaurant, but it's like now they kind of understand they're a two-star mm -hmm. restaurant, whereas before I felt like they were reaching for the three-star and just kind of not getting yep. there. You know, they were making fancy cocktails and they were trying to have a nightlife scene. It's like, you know what? You're just a good, good lunch place. <laughs> It's great. And then I feel like there are certain places, since we talked about four stars requires like changing the conversation and right. doing something innovative. You know, if mostly you're serving BLTs and clam chowder, you're probably going to always be a two star yeah. place. Like that, and that's just, okay. That's we, okay. Because we, 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 we need those kind we of need, restaurants. We, you know, that's we what need, people you, eat on a more You want to load basis. the bases. Yeah. The idea. I mean, you want in your neighborhood, you know, you want one, two, three, four. It's well, fine. Well, the three, did you find um, any sort of scaling back in the sense of, like, a lot of times I think restaurant owners come out of the gate with very ambitious. Yes. things or thing they want to do but then yeah. they sort of revert back to the mean of what customers are asking for or and what, that what certainly ordering. was the case yeah. in Miller's I felt like I felt like that's what customers wanted with they yeah. just wanted a decent lunch and now they're getting it so <laughs> I, it was just really gratifying to see um that it felt like they'd found their stride just by like slowing it down a little yep. bit and it's like it's a two-star restaurant the establishment was one that from the very start i felt like they were really going for more and in this case they achieved it. now i've not been to the, the establishment what, what yeah. type of food is it what's one of their um it's a seafood restaurant mm -hmm. primarily it's owned by an atlanta company concentrics um which also opened dockeries here on daniel island okay, yep. the, they have a number of restaurants yep. in atlanta it is a super glitzy place they have a live piano player mm -hmm. they have um it's a very just you know it, it's just like oozes class you know it's one of those kind of places um and yeah steak seafood again um not conversation changing that's i mean this is exactly the distinction we were talking yeah. about um and no one's going to go there and think i've never been somewhere like this before but they're going to think i've been to this kind of place and this is how it should be yeah, done this is pretty good yeah, yeah. so I, it was a really it was it was really good so yeah. i really enjoyed that 
Sorghum and salt went... (laughs) (laughs) Not everywhere. Wow. So the theory on Twitter, and I'm so curious if you think there could be any Mm -hmm. credence to this, is that I was being punished for the last review. Because my food bears no resemblance to what's (laughs) showing up on things like Yelp. Hmm. And so my friend and I were like, this is... I mean, it was it was absolutely inedible. No, inedible. Like maybe it was purposely made inedible. I don't know. It's so the reason I'm bringing up this theory at all about that it was a, a dish of revenge served cold <laughs> that happened. Um, was it indeed served cold? It, it, a little cool. It, it was lukewarm. It was oh. that terrible space where you don't know no. if it was supposed to be, you know, mm-hmm. which cold or warm, but it's neither. So. Um, <laughs> The reason I would give this any uh, credence at all is because the theory was suggested by someone who's been in the industry here for a long time. Mm. And so had it come from just a random reader, I I wouldn't have given a second thought. But it seems totally could be right. I have no no way of knowing. I don't know. It seems like an unwise thing to do um, to, you know, (laughs) to try to get, you know, to just reinforce, <laughs> you know, in some ways, mind that you know someone who, who has a platform that this is not well, very good. Well, it was food. very funny because uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend that as a strategy, but wouldn't maybe, recommend it. Uh, maybe people w- are angry and don't care. It, one of the dishes that that was really just the the hardest to understand when I when I called uh, the chef to kind of fact check what had mm-hmm. happened, I, I had this great line which he said. He said, "Well, I changed my menu so often I don't remember it." <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So I really know no more about that dish. No. I don't know any more that. I did before, except that he did end the call by saying, I hope you'll come in to re-review us sometime. <laughs> so, well, it sounds like that but, would be an invitation <laughs> to come back and do it right. I, I do uh, think you know, restaurants have off nights. You know, the kitchen's not, absolutely. you know, it depends on who's, who's working that night. Absolutely. And, you know, the chef may not have been in there in absolutely. the kitchen overseeing things so yeah. i certainly know the restaurants i worked in the we we turned out some bad food at, at certain times yeah when, uh, when uh, well, and the again, kitchen and wasn't having a good night that's why we don't do stars on based on one visit right. who knows i yeah, mean it, know. could, it yeah 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 but it just seems strange to me that he was like i'm glad you came in and now you should really come in and i was like well i, I was just there <laughs> it, was, it just seemed a little odd. Well, maybe like a real review. You know, give us give us a whole maybe, you know, maybe that's which you know I would get invited back. You know, like that when hmm? oh chefs, sure hey, come back oh, here. Yeah. Look, you know, we'd be, oh, we're really yeah. different. Come back and right. see us. You know, right. So that would make sense. Yeah. Okay. Well, I just thought it was interesting to go back and, and do the the revisits. It, it, is this something you think you'll do uh, for future restaurants? Yeah, I could see doing that again. I think um, it, it's real. It's nice to like correct the historical record. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think I was wrong in the first place, but places change. Yeah. You know. Well, it is tricky. How you know we've talked about this before. How how much time do you give a restaurant before you review it? Right. Um, six weeks, eight weeks, something like that. But you know, you want to, but. You know, restaurants take more than two months That's to right. you know exactly. to hit their their stride. A lot right. of times, a lot of times it takes a year or two before Absolutely. they really refine what they're doing and get their find their their format. So I, I like that concept of doing yeah. a full on three visit and then a, yeah, you, know, you could do more with like a, a one return yeah. visit. And, yep, yep, and give a little second bite of the apple. Yeah, it was fun. And that is all for this edition of The Winnow. We recorded today's episode in the Charleston Wine and Food Festival podcasting studios um, in downtown Charleston, South yep. Carolina. Right in the heart of Marion Square. Right. If you enjoyed listening to The Winnow, help other listeners find us too. Just go to iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you access your podcasts and like us or leave a rating. The Winnow is a production of the Post and Courier and Palmetto New Media. Our producer today was the very good sport, J. Emery Parker. <laughs> working yeah, had on to deal all with sorts of equipment. All new equipment. For not him. ours. Talk about 
bartenders working behind other people's That's bars. That's exactly right. Everybody's uh, behind a different board today. Our theme music is by the Bluestone Ramblers. Until next time, I'm Robert Moss. And I'm Hannah Raskin. Now get out there and eat.